Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yoganmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to the show. My name is Donna Freeman, the host of YogaInMySchool.com, and we're going to spend a fabulous next 30 minutes with you. We are really excited about the show today because we've been trying to have this particular guest on with us for about the past six months, and we've been shucking and jiving with a convenient time, and we finally had success. Yay! And we're thrilled that you are here to join us for this show entitled Yoga and Mindfulness in Schools. But before we get into all that good stuff, I want you to think back about 10 years ago. Put yourself back in 2002 and what you were doing then. And consider how many children or schools or youth knew about yoga or mindfulness. And I know that in 2002, I taught my first formal kids' yoga class. And... It's amazing when you think about just how far we've come in 10 years with research, with accessibility, with training, and so much more. And our guest today is one of the people who has been leading the charge with that. Um, Karma Carpenter is the founder of the International Association of of School, Yoga, and Mindfulness. And uh, she has a background in integrative, uh, integrative medicine, healthcare, and education administration. And she really helps all of us balance the fine details and helps to humanize the science and coordinates everybody as they strive to bring mind-body tools and programs uh, to schools and to youth and to children. Welcome, Karma. Thank you, Donna. Thanks for doing the show today with us. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Like I said, I'm glad we could finally find a date and a time that worked. Right. I'm having uh, someone trying to reach me who needs to be on the phone with us, and that's Dee Marie. I'm hoping she's listening. She, Her program out of Colorado, of course, uh, had research on it by Harvard, the bullying prevention yoga. So Dee Marie, please call into the show so we can talk to you. She's trying to call me into the show. All right. So I'll give everybody the show phone number if they'd like to call in. It is 646-721-9173 and this is live internet radio so sometimes things don't always run smoothly but we do our best and uh, we love to hear from you. 
All right. Also, you can um, learn, find links to this show at um, on Facebook at the yogainmyschool.com site, or if you're on Twitter, just go to at Donna K. Freeman, and um, there are links on both of those social media sites as well. All right. Karma, can you kind of explain a little bit some of the reasons behind the growing popularity of yoga and mindfulness in schools? Well, I can certainly try. Certainly, culture change is one of the biggest reasons. It's generational. Uh, Consider that we have the let's move generation uh, being taught by the be here now generation. Uh, Pretty Hmm. fun, meaning that um, the mind and the body are meeting in the schoolroom. Um, also, there are some real specific reasons. One is that bullying prevention research I mentioned that Dee Marie's going to call in. Dee, call in. Tell us about that. She's got limited time. Uh, the ADD research, the anxiety mm-hmm. and depression research, the research on sensory health, uh, which, of course, relates to the, quote, autism epidemic, um, the shortage of clinical support staff in schools, Um I've been working in schools over 25 years, and certainly anyone who's been in schools that long knows we've just seen the trickle of support staff out of schools with the budget cuts. Um, Certainly the leverage of the holistic health movement, uh, the public in America in particular is spending out of its own pocket to find those holistic mind, body, spirit remedies. Um, There are some other things I think, um, maybe I'll say more later, but um, sort of the perfect storm. Schools are in mm-hmm. crisis, and we know uh, you think of that symbol for crisis being danger meets an opportunity. Um, so it's kind of a perfect perfect storm for the development of mind body tools in in schools. All right. So tell people a little bit just about yourself, you know, because you really are a proponent for bringing yoga and mindfulness to schools. But what is your personal and professional background which kind of brought you to where you are today? Well, Donna, my story is um, it it coincides with the development of this movement. In fact, you, you really can't separate the two of them. This movement of school yoga and mindfulness um, is really a culmination of my life's work. Um, sort of personally, I guess, I grew up in an early childhood education um, center. My mother was the director of a church-based center, which eventually became the Head Start um, learning center in the, in the small farming community that I grew up in. Um, I was introduced to yoga by my grandmother um, in childhood early and then later on by a chiropractor, who was quite a pioneer back in the Midwest in those days, Um, I was not allowed in high school to take physical education class because of a complication um, with my health. And that began my interest in different ways that students, uh, what we would now know from special ed law to be called adaptive phi ed, or Mm -hmm. physical education classes that are appropriate for, for all students, no matter what their ability level is. Well, I've got, I'm just going to interrupt you there because I've got Debbie Cohen on the line, and maybe you can just tell us a little bit about who Debbie is and why we should be listening to her. Speaking of Phi Ed, Debbie Cohen, um, Boston Public Schools Project. She was, uh, I should let Debbie tell you about herself, but she knows a lot about yoga ed. She knows a lot about Harvard's research. Debbie can tell us a lot about how to get Phi Ed programs started in inner city public schools and how to make them work. Hey, Debbie, how's it going? Great. I'm calling you from the Boston Teachers Union School. Um, 
and after teaching at um, the Jeremiah E. Burke School here in Boston. And I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. Thanks. Tell us a little bit about your work with research and such and professional development. Okay. Um, let's see. So um, it's kind of a burning passion to bring yoga in the schools, and um, my approach to it was through research at first with a man named Satvir Kalsa, um, and we were working with a, a yoga center called Kapalu, um, Kapalu Center for Yoga and Health in Western Massachusetts in Stockbridge. Um, and they have an Institute for Extraordinary Living, um, which is which has a big project, a yoga in schools project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite amazing. At the outset, I was on the research end. Well, at the very outset, I was writing an IRB and helping to get the program off the, off the ground and writing curriculum. And uh, and then I got trained to be a Kapali yoga teacher. I was um, my my background is. Uh, several other teacher trainings um, over 14 years prior to that training. Um, and um, so for three years I worked with the Institute for Extraordinary Living. And um, my interest, my personal strength, strength is not research. It's not my interest. It's not my passion. It was something, it, it just is representative of a willingness I have around this project um, of bringing yoga to schools that where I'll do anything. Um, and that's why it's so much fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the research is going. The program is up and running. And now uh, I did teach in it um, when we brought in a Boston-based school. But several years ago when we did bring in, well, last year when we did bring in the Boston school, um, uh, the, the principal investigator, Shatvir Khalsa, wanted to choose a school that represented the demographic norms. But mm-hmm. I had thought we were going to work with the Boston Public Schools. And when the project took a left turn, I taught that year at Waltham High School, which was great. But um, my heart was in the Boston Public Schools. So um, I contacted those schools. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I know Donna's going to do it any moment, and I want to be sure and mention what a good job Debbie's done in so many realms of this work, Donna. She she just mentioned the IRB process, which anyone who's worked in higher ed knows that's a very hefty project to even get a research project off of the ground. You have to go through a lot of scrutiny, and your project has to be approved, and funded and all the rest. Debbie's also been involved in the fundraising end of keeping her program actually funded to happen in the Boston Public Schools. Also, she's been involved currently. She's working on getting her training approved by the professional development end so that the school districts, um, programs such as we have in in Dallas and Minneapolis, um, around the, the country, where we are able to get school districts and a college to connect and provide with the help of a yoga trainer, such as Debbie, um, or several others I could mention who are all probably waiting to talk, um, to provide the school staff with training and get their professional development credits and get their um, pay increases or their graduate credits or what have you. Yeah, you've really touched on a lot lot of major 
major issues that people are looking at about the training, about getting research, about funding. Um, I've got another caller. I'm not too sure just who it is, so I'm just going to open the mic here, and we're going to find out who you're calling from, area code 313. That's, that is Dee Marie, also another Harvard-based research project. Debbie, thanks for calling in. I bet she's going to flip us to another caller. This is Hello, Steve. caller th- 313, area code? Hi, this is Ryan McGraw. Oh, Ryan McGraw, right on. Ryan, thank you so much for calling in. Ryan uh, was recently with the National Center for Physical Ability, or uh, Physical Activity and Disability, excuse me, NICPAD, which has been out of the University of Illinois at Chicago. And Ryan uh, and I did an interview a while back about adaptive Phi Ed. So interesting that Ryan would call in now and share a word with us. I know we don't have much time, but Ryan, tell us about your work on your training manual for cerebral palsy in schools. Weird. I'm in the process of putting together a manual for people with CP and yoga. And um, really, um, I'm. The manual is in the beginning stages. I am trying to get an experienced teacher to go over with it with me. But the principles I have used for the manual is adaptation and the principle that any post can be adapted. Yes, I completely agree. Most of the poses offer a seated variation, a seated in the chair variation. Um, So um, I wanted to offer something for people with CP. Um, I know there's other therapeutic manuals out there, but this is, um, I'm doing this for my master's project, so. Fantastic, Ryan. I look forward to having getting a copy of that because I work with a few individuals with cerebral palsy, and I'm sure it will be a fabulous manual. Thank you so much. I will for sure send it. Thanks. Thanks for calling in, Ryan. I really want to underscore the work of Nick Pad. Ryan was with Nick Pad during his graduate work. This issue of adaptive FIED, the research again showing that the, the concept of universal design in education, if you know universal design, mm-hmm. meaning that a curriculum, a program, a, a concept, as Ryan talks about principles. If we apply certain principles, we can theoretically serve any population. And adaptive FIED is starting to be extended to students with socio-emotional learning challenges beyond those physical challenges. Really important work that Nick Pat is doing. Fabulous. Well, we've got another caller here, and caller at area code 303. Hello. Here's Dee Marie. Dee Marie, thanks for calling in. I know you're busy. Tell us, uh, I think what everyone wants to know is, how does yoga work to prevent bullying? And, and your Harvard study with the Department of Public Health there, uh, tell us, how does it work? Uh, can you hear me? I'm not sure if I'm logged in with this or yep, not. You're, you're good to go. Okay, great. Um, well, we we were interested to find out if we taught more of a 
lifestyle-based or what we consider classical yoga curriculum in the schools if we could um, decrease violence and get behavioral changes, and we were able to do so. Uh, We did work with Harvard as well as the American Medical Association and their alliance to do this community-based program in the schools in elementary schools in Boulder, and we taught uh, breathing and anatomy education on proper breathing techniques as well as communication techniques, nonviolent communication and conflict resolution type strategy scenarios. That sounds right. fabulous. I want to jump in and, and just, you know, make that joke because someone who's listening will and that's that, you know, Boulder is what what is it, D seven square miles surrounded by the rest of reality and <laughs> right. So and people will laugh and oh well maybe that just works in Boulder. Actually the fact is, Donna, as you know, you've seen a lot of the research that's coming out. We have uh the same results happening ar- around the country, um that's not necessarily um specific to that demographic. Another piece I want to mention related to Dee Marie's work, um, the Senate Subcommittee for Interfaith Relations reached out uh, last year, had found Dee's research and some other research on um, socio-emotional skills and yoga and asked if they could be involved. This was the Senate Subcommittee on Interfaith Neighborhood Relations. And we know that another um, leader, uh, Father Thomas Ryan, who is, I believe it's the Interfaith Relations um, Ecumenical Office, and also in D.C., has done a lot of work with uh, Kripalu and is a yoga instructor and addresses this bit about the need for nonviolence in training in schools to transcend any kind of uh, spiritual tradition, any limitation in our thinking in that way. So Dee's work is really pioneering, and I'm really glad she called in. Yes, well, and I know that when I saw that you were here, Dee Marie, I was like, yay, because I want to have a show just with you. So we'll have to arrange that at a later date so we can talk about bullying and, and yoga and how they worked hand in hand. But thank you so much for calling Perfect. in. Thank you so much. Calming kids, creating a nonviolent world. Thank you. I'm going to give, I'm going to give her another plug there. Please do go to Dee Marie's site. We'll make sure and, and know that if you can go to the k12yoga.org site and find Dee Marie's site as well, Calming Kids has trainings all over the country. Dee Marie is a behavioral health clinician as well, and so her trainings can serve in school districts to meet those continuing ed requirements for student, uh, staff rather, and behavioral support staff and the like. So, yes, please do check out Dee Marie's website. All right. So we've talked a lot um, with each one of these guests, as well as with yourself, about there's a, quite a bit of research now that are supporting the claims um, of the benefits that yoga and mindfulness bring to staff and students. But can you tell us a few of, you know, what are those benefits? You know, if somebody's going, well, why would I want to do this in my school? It sounds like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you one thing is a couple of my favorites I'll be sure and mention, but I'd like to point to someone who's really a good a uh, bibliographer, and that's Jim Gillen of YogaCom. If you'll mm-hmm. go to yogacom.org and check out Jim's bibliography, we also have a bibliography on k12yoga.org, and there are several other sources of uh, exhaustive lists of research. But some of my favorites are the current uh, study that's happening with Penn State uh, Prevention Center, which is, of course, uh, Dr. Greenberg, Mark Greenberg, and who's also connected with the Garrison Institute, uh, Tish Jennings and the CARE um, 
curriculum for, you know, early child education and, and staff development. So I'm kind of rambling on a lot. But what the Holistic Life Foundation yoga program, which is a Baltimore-based schools um, delivering uh, yoga training in middle schools, et cetera, alternative schools, the most important piece to really focus on is that what they're finding is um, anxiety and depression are reduced. And people say, well, other things could reduce anxiety and depression. Sure, and often they do. Um, there are reasons that we want to do specifically those two reductions. Both of those states lead to reduced cognitive performance. Mm-hmm. If, if you're really anxious or really depressed, you're just not going to do as well in school. So that's a no-brainer. Um, the, why yoga, people say. Uh, there was a story that came out recently. Uh, Lisa Flynn and her Childlight Yoga website mm-hmm. did a good job covering it. A, a pediatrician made a comment, well, you know, it's, uh, yoga is like putting a Band-Aid on. Well, certainly it is um, not addressing the whole crisis in schools, but the research shows us that in this time, in this culture where we have um, such overstimulation, you know, um, children have to learn how to discern, and it sounds like a Dr. Seuss, but I've, I've heard someone use it in their program, learn to discern. Amongst all of the stimuli that they have to focus on, how are they going to learn what we as adults are even challenged to do, which is to focus on one thing at a time. So plenty of research out there. Um, NYU study right now, I wish Ann Buckley-Reen would call in. Um, she has an interesting bit. She has an occupational therapy background. Self-regulation, which leads to the classroom management, Donna, question that you mm-hmm. had also for me, which was um, self-regulation. Um, again, I point to the work of the Garrison Institute, people like Parker Palmer, um, who for many years have talked about the inner life of the teacher, um, the relationship, uh, Dr. James Comer, um, the Comer method at school leadership, the community, the health and the relationships of a community, of a school culture, shape the achievement and the health of students and staff alike. So the, the NYU research around learning readiness, we hear a lot about yeah. learning readiness in early childhood. And sometimes we don't realize that learning readiness applies also to the ability to teach to show up ready to teach. Uh, as, as anyone who's been a teacher knows, teaching is also a learning process. And that learning readiness is a daily event that we can create a state of self-regulation where we are ready to learn every day, every new period, in, every new class, every new subject. So um, let's see, what's another one? Oh, I want to throw in the Wisconsin uh, Center for Investigation of Healthy Minds um, Richard Davidson, of course, who's you know one of everyone's heroes for his work when the, the Dalai Lama said, "Hey, you know, why don't you study what's right in the human mind?" You know, and really mm-hmm. help the field of psychology and human development to to start that agonizing journey that we still seem to be on clinically of, of focus, focusing on the positive and uh, you know finding solutions. But they have a, a really good early childhood education curriculum and, and research on that as well. Many many universities do. I I really uh, could just mention hundreds of, of data bits, but um, yeah. yeah, it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick. Like I said, it's really come a long way in the past ten years, and we're seeing the the fruits of those labors with children who can now um, find quiet and find the calm and are prepared to learn. 
It is true. And, you know, the, the truth is this movement, you asked about my background, and we'll try to get this in before someone else calls. I'm hoping Rachel will call in because she just won the Surgeon General Award for uh, apps, okay? Mm-hmm. So we talk on the one hand about tools being, you know, to technology and all of that, but then we have uh, she just got this award for apps being used in schools. Jessica Rosenberg from Minneapolis, her apps are also being used in Minneapolis Public Schools. Uh, so, but this issue of how long has it been unfolding? You know, when when I the movement found me, I like to say I I happened to do this research project. I I've been researching integrative medicine for 20 years. I happened to start my career in Tucson, Arizona, uh, connected to one of Andrew Wiles' programs. People uh, have moved through Tucson and be, become leaders in integrative medicine in this country. Scott Shannon, who founded Holistic Medical Association, and uh, Tracy Gaudet, Duke Integrative Medicine Center. You know, people are, are moving and shaking now, coming through that portal of Tucson. We were doing things in Tucson like drum therapy and nursing homes and Reiki and schools and yoga. Now, we weren't doing it with a lot of high visibility, of course, but this was back in the late 80s, early 90s, where we had that fertile ground to try things. And so I was very fortunate to be a young professional, um, behavioral health professional. I'd gone also to acupuncture school and really had a lot of um, leaders, some mentors to support trying new new ideas, quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not new, right, Donna? These are ancient. These are ancient. Well, we've got right? Rachel yeah. on the line now, so let's Rachel. let Rachel tell us about her, her app that she has gotten so much great feedback from. If I can get her, there we go. Oh, it's not letting me turn her on live. Let's see, I may have to. There we go. Rachel, how are you? Hi. I'm turning you off so there's no echo. (laughs) How are you? Great. Rachel, thanks for calling in. Rachel, I want to say, has two different projects. And, and again, we're running out of time, Rachel. I want want you to tell them how your apps can work in the classroom for, for classroom behavior management and such. But just real quick, tell them a bit about your other two projects. Okay. Well, I'm part of two projects. Um, I got certified in yoga through um, a yoga school called Holy Yoga, which is connecting faith and the yoga practice. And Father Thomas Ryan was one of our resources and teacher. So um, it was really great to hear you mention him, Donna. Um, And so that program is a nonprofit ministry, and it's just sharing the yoga practice and the discipline, much like prayer in teaching children the Bible through movement and breath, and um, and so we have a DVD for that, and kids' scripture cards, and, and sharing faith um, through yoga, which is amazing. Um, and then Kids Holy Yoga, I call it my public school-friendly um, project. I ha- I'm co-creator with two other partners, and it's basically creating yoga, art, and healthy technology as a tool. And so how does the I, app work? Rachel, tell us, like, mm-hmm. a, a child sits down with their little handheld device or a teacher stands at the front of the room. For us old people, tell us, how does this work? Yeah, it's actually neat. Um, we're working on a tutorial, so we'll, we'll send you that when that's ready. Um, well, there's many different ways it can work. Obviously, with a parent, you sit. It's like a book. I really want to help people understand that um, the application is, I would think we get a device since we're in this generational, um, you know, where we are in our in our time is, you know, we're in books, and then we have technology. And so I just look at the app as a book. So you open your iPad, and, it, and it's a book, just like ABC Yoga or My Daddy mm-hmm. the Pretzel. Um, just look at it as that tool. So that will help dispel the, the uncomfortableness with, oh, how do I use this? 
teacher, <laughs> as you know, as a yoga teacher, um, I use it as a tool, um, just like a book. So I'll bring it into class. Like today, I taught a preschool class, and we have a couple apps out. And one is called I Am Energy, and I wrote a song to the tune of The Wheels and the Bus, and it's through animation. And so I show the picture, and I'll press the animation, and we'll sing it together, and we'll move together. That's, that's right on. one way. That's one way. Rachel, Rachel got the Surgeon General's Award mm-hmm. for health-related apps, and she also just mentioned singing. And I know Donna's going to say we've got like two minutes left. <laughs> I want to be sure and mention singing was one of the biggest reasons for the research that we started. And, Rachel, thank you so much for calling in. God bless you. Is that we were doing work with, with autistic children, um, several of us. I can talk about my experience, but there was a little more um, challenge in bringing a musical, um, you know, and in the yoga tradition it might be referred to as chanting or, you know, in the meditative and contemplative ed tradition or in the mindfulness tradition, depending on what box you're thinking in, you know, you call it Mm -hmm. different. It might just be called music class, but it certainly helps children to focus and it reduces conflict, it builds community. And so we needed research, and that was kind of the original, as Donna, to, to answer that, you know, that's why, you know, you say why uh, the School Yoga Association. We needed a leadership coalition to address things like curriculum alignment, RTI, response to intervention. Our survey process on the uh, website, Survey 2.0 is up. Survey 1.0 allowed us to locate 90 training programs in this country alone, all saying that they're, delivering some kind of a service, yoga-based service and mindfulness to schools. Many of them, when they take the survey, say, oh, I didn't realize that you could connect it to professional development or, oh, or yes. what, is, yeah, what is response to intervention. Oh, boy, if you don't know what response to intervention is in American schools anyway, uh, I make a joke. I say, if you were going to the bowling alley to teach yoga, would you want to talk to the bowlers first? Yeah. Now, there's a few things about translational practice that are really crucial. So we didn't talk about the nature of research very much here. No, we, and we're, we're right out of time. Where can yeah. people go? There's so much here. Where yes, can they is. go for more information? What's your website? www.k-12yoga.org, k-12yoga.org. And we are in process. We need volunteers. This is a SEVA this is a mm-hmm. spirit-run organization. This is um, a movement. This needs people who can serve as a leadership council. And so if you've got some time to give, please get in touch. Our website needs help. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. It's been wonderful to chat with Karma and all of the guests who have phoned in. I appreciate your time and your energy and doing what you're doing in your own area. I do want to let everybody know about an upcoming training webinar that Yoga in My School has partnered up with Barbara Ginny of um, Body Logique, and we're doing a yoga for children with autism coming up on Thursday, April 12th. And um, we had her, la- her had Barbara on the show last year as our guest um, for a yoga with um, autism last April for Honor of Autism Awareness Month, and she's joining us for this fabulous one-hour evening. It'll be it airs live April 12th, 8 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> and 5 p.m. Pacific. And you can find that at the Yoga Classroom tab, yoga or webinar registration on yogainmyschool.com. Thank you for joining us. There is 
such a wealth of information in the yoga and mindfulness in schools community. Uh, please listen to the archives of our interviews. There's many of the leaders in the yoga and mindfulness community there talking about in depth about their own organization and what they do, and you can find those uh, interviews on iTunes. Just type in under um, podcast Yoga in My School, and be sure to follow us on Facebook. Thank you for joining us. Have a fabulous day.